uh, all that the Lord is doing. I'd like you to turn, if you would, to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I feel like the Lord started to put some of this message into my spirit several weeks ago, and I said a little bit about it um, here on a Sunday a few weeks back, but um, he just continues to take me here. So I want to share this with you. I've got, a f I'll say more than a few. I've got some scriptures that I want to, uh, that I want to share. Um, but I guess this is the way that I would explain it. What we'll talk about today in the scripture. What does God want? What does the devil want? And what do I want? So. Hopefully, we'll try to answer those questions today with some understanding. The, the, uh, the question I would ask first, and this is a rhetorical question, so you don't even have to answer right away the first thing that comes to your mind, but think about this. Is God's will always done? I want you to think about that. Is God's will always done? Well, as you're thinking about that, then I'm going to ask you a couple of more questions. I, would, I want to ask you, is this a true statement or are these true statements? God wants everyone to go to heaven. If you believe that's a true statement, then go back to the, the previous question. Is God's will always done? And if the other question is, does God want everyone to go to heaven... If the answer to two is yes, then is the answer to one yes? If he wants everyone to go to heaven, and that's his will for all, but there is such a thing as hell, and it's not only for Satan and his angels, but there's also others that God would not want to be there, but do go there, then... How can I answer the question, yes, his will's always done? I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me ask you this. Are you at the mercy of... Okay, let me go back. Sorry. Does God want everyone to go to heaven? And then does the devil want everyone to go to hell? Ask yourself both of those questions. I believe the answer is yes, God does want everyone to go to heaven. I believe the answer is yes, the devil would love to see every single soul in hell. So here's the question. Are you at the mercy of one or either of those, or whichever one you say you might give in to? Are you at their mercy? Meaning, you don't have to do anything. You're just going to go either here or here, and you, you, that's beyond your control. I don't believe that that's true. Would you say this? Whichever one, God or the devil, has more power in your life is the one that gets his way. I would say no. I don't think that just because God has more power over you or the devil has more power over you that they get to determine your eternal outcome. 
I'm going to talk more about that, I promise. These are just questions I'm prefacing all of this with to give you some thoughts. Because I, ta- I told you we're going to say, what does God want? What does the devil want? And what do I want? So 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. That means he's long-suffering towards us, to you and to me. Not willing. Everybody say, not willing. God, the Lord, is not willing that any should perish. Perish means to be utterly destroyed and brought to an end. He doesn't want that for anyone, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's will right there. That's what He wants. It's also what He doesn't want. He doesn't want anyone to perish, and He does want everyone to come to repentance. If you'll turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. Thank you, Brother Timothy, for helping me out with these scriptures today. Got a lot of them to go through, and I appreciate when you're manning the board back there. John 10 and 10, it says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm probably going to come back to this verse again in a minute, but I want you to see the words of Jesus. This is why I'm here. I'm here that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I'm just going to I'm not going to get on a on a rabbit trail here, but this is not just talking. Jesus is not saying, "I'm here so you can have a better life." Do you understand the difference? A lot of Christians will say, well, the plus to Christianity is that you get to have a better life. And then, you, if, you, if that's your, your hook that you're trying to catch fish with, then you have a hard time explaining when somebody doesn't have a better life. What even is a better life? If you look at it in that context, more money, that can't be God's will for everyone. Better health? That can't be God's will for everyone. Uh, find the right mate. Oh, I better stop before I get in trouble. But this is what we would promote oftentimes is God wants you to have a better life. No, Jesus says the thief wants to destroy, but I'm here that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. Again, we're going to read some words of Jesus here. And he's explaining again part of his mission. The reason why he's here. For the Son of Man is come to save. Everybody say save. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Verse 12. How think ye if a man... He's saying, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, one of them is gone astray. Does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains 
Oh, I don't like when I have to tell stories on myself, but last night one of the dogs got out, one of the two, and I went and I found one of the two, and I was happy to take that one back home. Well, I knew that the other one, he'll come back. I don't know exactly when, and I don't know what he's going to do between then and now, but he'll come back. But we got the we got the one that probably wouldn't have come back. So I'm not the Lord. <laughs> but I left him out there, and I told the kids. And sure enough, I mean it was only not even five minutes. Here he comes streaking down the street. It was raining and cold. I'm like, this dog knows better. He's gonna come back. But the Lord, it says, if, so if, if somebody has a hundred sheep and he loses one, will he just say, well, at least I've still got ninety-nine? No. Going into the mountains, not just even down the street. I'm going into the mountains and seeking that which has gone astray. Verse 13, and if so be that he find it, verily I say to you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Again, he said it in verse 11, the Son of Man is come to seek that which was lost and save that which was lost. Verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father. See that again? What does God want? It's not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one, everybody say one. It's not the will of your Father that one of these little ones should perish. John 17. me before the foundation of the world. John 14 verse 3 Jesus speaking to his disciples here John 14 and 3 he says and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. I want to be with you. Now this is just a handful of scriptures. The whole Bible, honestly, is a story 
about how God wants to be with us. Wants us to be with Him. It, the whole Bible reveals the plan and the will of God. It is to be with us. Why did He create Adam in the first place? To have a relationship with Him. Not because He needed a gardener. To have a relationship with Him. And so the whole Bible is telling the story of, I want that relationship with my people. You know, it's easy sometimes to think, well, I know God loves so-and-so. I know he, that He cares about that person, that group, that family, that one. But does He really feel that same way about me? I'm here to tell you today, yes, He's not willing that one should perish including you. He does not want you to be away from Him. That's His will. Go back to John 10.10, 10, if you will. I'm going to ask you again, what does the devil want? Is it really true that the devil wants us to go to hell? John 10, 10, the thief. Everybody say the thief. The thief cometh not but for to steal. This is the reason why the thief comes. To steal and to kill and to destroy. Think about a sheep for a second. Now, most of this chapter also uh, talks about the voice and God saying, my sheep know my voice and they're not going to follow somebody else. But... No, notice, in there, does it say anything about a wolf? No, it talks about a thief. The thief wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Sheep, I don't, I'm not a farmer, so I don't know all the details, but I know enough to know sheep don't have a natural instinct to sniff out thieves. No, you, you walk into a sheep's pen, and they're just going to check you out. Like, what are you doing here? Oh, you have something I like. Hmm. I think I'm going to follow you. Oh, you opened the gate for me. Thank you. I think I'm going to get out. That's, that's the sheep level thinking. But a wolf getting into the pen, the sheep have a natural instinct to fear that, to get away from it, to, to fight it if they must. But this is why... Satan does not just always come and try to work as the wolf. He tries to work as the thief. Because he knows if I show up as a wolf, you're going to fear me and run away from me. I won't get to steal and kill and destroy. But if I show up as a thief, then yes, I will. Because the ultimate goal is to destroy just like the other one when, when the word said he's not willing that any should perish. The devil is willing that all would perish. He wants to destroy. Now, think about this for a second. Because do you believe that Satan can kill you? It's not a trick question. I don't, at least I don't think it is. I, here's what I've heard and I believe. If he could kill you, he would have done it by now. If I just, if we know in the Bible his will is to destroy, 
then why isn't he just over here? Got them all. All right, good. On to the next feeding station. No. He cannot destroy you and kill you. He cannot. He wants to, and so he will find any method, any way that he can influence your life that will lead to your destruction. I'm not, he, he cannot make me sin, but he can put all of the temptations in my path that would cause me to sin. At least he'll work, he, that's the way that he works. You understand? He tries to influence. Everybody say influence. That's the key word, influence. He tries to work by influence. So if he has to influence a thief to come in and steal, then that's what he'll do. 1 Peter 5 and 8. sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, there are some people, not that, this is probably not the same, I don't feel the same way about every single person, but there are some people I feel like still need to come to the realization of that phrase, your adversary, the devil. Because some people would be so naive to not even think that they have an adversary. And I'm just going through life. I love everybody, and everybody loves me. Sorry, that's not the case. Your adversary, the devil. This is the Bible, okay? This is not me just trying to spook anybody or scare somebody or convince anybody. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. The Word of God says you have an adversary and it's the devil. Adversary. The, the, the root word of adversary is adverse. That means opposing, opposite to, wanting the other thing. So that's how he operates in your life. The one that wants the other thing for you is the devil. And it says be sober and vigilant because he is a, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now even still, like I just said, he cannot kill you. He cannot just destroy you. He can't do that to anyone. Any human being that has not given him the ability, the access, the influence, if you don't give him that, he cannot just do it. So what is he going to do? If he's the lion, the roaring lion, and he sees one right here, he's walking about, he's seeking. Hmm. This one looks pretty tasty. What can I do to devour? I cannot just... <laughs> Why? Because the Lord won't let him do that. But he's going to look and seek and say, what is the way? How do I get him on the menu. Because I tell you what, if you give in a little bit, 
I'm just, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill the pan with water, fill the pot with water. I'm going to put it on the stove. I'm going to crank it up. I'm going to get that water boiling. And right next to the one that I want to devour, I can't get him to go in there, like push him in. But hmm, what does he like? You like celery, don't you? There we go. That's some in the pot. What do you like? Oh, you like money. Oh, right there. That's all good stuff for you right there in the pot. I can't just devour you, but I can get you into by trap, by snare, by wiles. Those are words that the scriptures use. The wiles of the enemy. And then you know what? As soon as you get in there, I'm having dinner. So what he wants to do? Seeking whom he may devour. Verse, uh, Luke 22, verse 31. Some words of Jesus about Satan and what Satan wants. And now we're talking, remember, about what does the devil want. Luke 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat now I'm not going to get caught up on the whole wheat process today the, the, the more important phrase that I see there is Satan has desired to have you now just imagine it, it, it almost seems far fetched to us but I think it's really a, just a common discussion that the Lord would have with us if we were in conversation with him but imagine, put yourself in Simon Peter's place, sitting down next to Jesus, your master, your savior. And he's looking at you in the eyes. And he says, Alberto. Alberto. He says it twice, right? Behold, Satan has desired to have you. Clyde. Clyde. Satan has desired to have you. It rings a little bit more true, doesn't it, when you think about this is the conversation the Lord would have with me. Not, oh, I just get to play patty cake all the time. I just get to live a blessed Christian life all the time. Where is the Lord in that? Where is the Lord sitting down next to somebody and saying, My brother, my sister, Satan has desired, Oh, we don't sing about him. Oh, we don't talk about him. He's desired to have you. Oh, no, we don't go there. We want to keep everybody happy. You can't make people happy talking about him. <laughs> He's desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Job 2, verse 3. Now, I'm, I, I could spend the rest of the day talking about just this passage of Job, but I'm not going to. I just want you to see one part of this story here. Job chapter 2, verse 3. Job chapter 1, if you're familiar with the story, Job 1 is where the first time Satan approaches God. God says, where have you been? I've been going to and fro. 
What's, I wonder what he was doing. Probably looking for whom he may devour. God says, have you, have you considered my servant Job? Satan says, I know the guy, but I can't do anything to him. Lord, God, he's probably just serving you because of all the good stuff you've done in, in, in his life for him, all the things you've given him. So if you took all that away, I bet you he wouldn't serve you anymore. He wouldn't be the perfect and upright guy that you're saying he is. So all of that in chapter 1, and then you know the story. While Job was out one day, he, had, he lost this and this and this and this. His, his cattle, his, all of his livestock, and then his, his children, death. They just come in and die. Now pause, because I had to pause. If I already said that Satan cannot kill you, Oh, wait a second. What happened to Job's children? They died. So Satan killed them. No. What, if, if you know the story here, what's the spoiler? What actually caused the destruction of where his children were? Does anybody know it? The wind blew the house down where they were. Here's my question. Who's in charge of the wind? The devil's not in charge of the wind. Who's in charge of the wind? God's in charge of the wind. He controls the wind and rain. Now, each one of those children and their stories is between God and them. I can't tell you why God looked at that group and decided, all of you, death. But the devil did not kill them. He cannot. Now, here's a, here's a little insight to this. Job uh, 2 and 3. The Lord said to Satan, again, this is the second time he said it, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still holdeth fast his integrity, although, watch, God talking to Satan, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. A couple of other translations put it this way. Even though you urged me to harm him without cause, and even though you persuaded me to let you attack him for no reason at all. God's the one that's in charge. God's the one that's in control. And he's pointing out to Satan the fact that even though you told me to take my hand off of his life, and I did, so that this loss could come upon him, he's still serving me with his integrity. I, I just had, you, you got to see that picture because we, you can get so caught up sometimes in thinking, why is God causing bad things to happen to me. Look at that. That's exactly how it happened for Job, what we see in that verse. Matthew 10, verse 28. The Lord's given us a lot to think about today. I'm aware of that. I'm praying that we will learn and consider and, and let the Lord teach us these things, these truths. Here's another one. Matthew 10, 28. And fear not, 
them which kill the body. This is Jesus talking to his disciples about. You're about to be going out here on your own, doing disciple work, and you're going to come across people that want to do harm to you. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. This is your, this is your, if I, if I was a professor, I'd say you have to write me an essay and convince me who is the one able to destroy the body and the soul in hell. Now, you'd have to put a lot of time and thought into that, wouldn't you, to write an essay? But you won't put a time and thought in it because you don't have to write an essay. Which is more important, turning in an essay to me or your eternal soul? I'm just saying. I think your soul is more important. So do you want to put some time and prayer and energy and effort into finding out what Jesus meant when he said, fear him who can destroy the soul and the body in hell? All right, I got to move on because this is not class. But to destroy means to give over to eternal misery. Ephesians 6, 16, I'm going to read it real fast. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Those are just some examples of what the devil wants to do to you, to do to me, to do to all of us. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that we have an enemy who wants to destroy us. Now, these things that we've talked about so far, God wanting everybody to go to heaven, wanting everyone to be with him, and the devil wanting to destroy everyone, those things are universal, meaning they apply to everyone across the whole world. Every soul, that's how they feel about them. What God wants and what the devil wants. They want the same for all. What determines the outcome is my will and my actions I can't just say just my will because alright good I, I, that's easy to say I want to go to heaven Lord Whew, got that one taken care of now let's go watch the Seahawks play no my will is nothing without my actions God knows this and the devil knows this but what's determining this outcome here? I got just a few more verses. Philippians 2 verse 13. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it quick. It says, For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So your will is God working in you. Jeremiah thirteen twenty-seven. Woe unto thee, O Jerusalem! Wilt thou not be made clean? This is an Old Testament prophet speaking to all of Jerusalem and saying, your actions are not matching your will. The things that you want, the things that you've said. Matthew 15, 28. Jesus is talking to a woman here and he says, O woman, great is thy faith. 
be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We see a woman whose will is for Jesus to, to heal her daughter. But her actions took her will to Jesus and said, Lord, I am bringing this to you because I know only you can do what has to be done here. My will, obviously, I want my daughter to be well. But Lord, you're the one that can make her well. So in my actions, I'm coming to you, and the Lord says, Be it unto thee as thou wilt. He's looking at her will and saying, Your actions, your faith, matches your will. Let that be. And the daughter's healed. John 5 and 6. This is, the, this is the story of the lame man laid at the pool of Bethesda by the gate. And you know this story. Every time the, the waters are troubled, the first one in gets healed. Jesus is just passing by from one place to another, and he sees, observes what's going on, and he goes up to the man. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus knows everything, right? Well, he had the deity of God living in him, and God knows everything. He knows, I'm about to leave here, and I'm about to go there, and between here and there is this pool, this miracle pool. I think I'll go and just see my miracle works in action. And he goes, and he stops by, and, and, and one man catches his eye. You're not in there. You're, you're not well. You're here, and you're lame. Why is that? The man, I, I, you got to know that the man, not knowing he's talking to the Lord God Almighty, just thinks he's talking to another man, and he explains. The reason why I'm not healed is because I don't have anyone to put me into the water, and I can't get there myself. And then, this is where we read. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? What do you want? What's your will? My will is to be made whole. What are your actions? Well, I'm here, aren't I? I can't do anything else. I've tried. I try to get him or her or somebody to put me in. I have no man to put me in. I'm, I'm just wanting you to see how much the Lord values the will of an individual. How important your will is. Jesus didn't walk, walk away and, oh, well, that's too bad. If only he had wanted it more. No, he sees the will of a person. He, God knows this. The reason why he was born with that condition in the first place. 
And he says, today's the day of healing for you, but is that your will? Next verse. Verse 7. The impotent man said, sir, I have no man to... I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Next verse. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. I'm telling you, when your will meets your actions and your faith, and you combine those things, that is what the Lord is looking for. That's not something that the devil can just say, oh, I'm going to take him anyways. He can't. Last verse, Joshua 24, verse 15. This is the man, Joshua, speaking again to the children of Israel. Joshua was there through, through, through all of the Moses stuff. So he was there to see the children of Israel get pulled out of Egypt. He was there to see them wander through the wilderness. He was there to see them win these battles over these cities. And he knows these people. He's been with them through this whole process. And he says, every time we think we're about to make progress, somebody goes and messes it up again. And by somebody, I mean all of you. He says it here. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites, in those lands you dwell. In whose lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody say choose. That was the word of God for those people that day. Choose. Not, you've got another five years. You've got another city to go through and We'll go through this whole process again. No, choose you this day whom you will serve. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close here. This is, this is the way that I would sum up everything that we just read. We know what God wants. He wants you to be with him and him to be with you. We know what the devil wants. He wants to destroy all of us. The question is, what do I want? What's my will? And then, what actions are needed to confirm my will, to prove my will, to live out my will? What are the actions that I've got to do? This is the way I would say it. If you want to do evil, God is going to let you do evil. He doesn't want you to. And he will put all the 
stops in your way that he possibly can. He'll send friends. He'll send family. He'll send church members. He'll, he'll wake you up in the middle of the night with dreams or with words or with scriptures. He'll do everything he can, but he cannot make you do what is right. So if he ultimately sees this person is more interested in... Now, and I use the word evil. Now, let me explain that real quick. I don't mean you're going to go out there and get into witchcraft and sorcery and, and all the evil, evil, evil things that you can think of. No, evil means your own will. Anything that is opposed to the will of God is evil, including my own will, if it's opposed to God's will. So if he sees that that's what the person is going to do, I have to let them do that. If you want to do evil, God's going to let you. If you want to do righteous, if you want to do what's right, God wants to help you. He will help you. And then here's this last part. If you do nothing, or if you are indecisive, if your actions prove that sometimes you say this and want this, sometimes you do this because you want that. If you do nothing, Satan is going to find a way to take you. I cannot just sit here and say, well, I don't want the devil to get me. So he's not going to. Uh-uh, no. Put the action to it. If you don't know what the action is, read your Bible, text me, call me, stop me after service. We'll give you some action to it. But I cannot just sit here and say, well, I'm glad I decided today. Would you pray with me just where you're standing there for a moment, Lord? God, I pray. I know that it is your will working in us, God, both to will and to do the things that please you, to live the life that pleases you, to make the decisions and choices, God, that put you first and your will first. God, I desire your will above all, even above my own. The things that you want for me and my life. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something that will probably sound harsh. I don't mean it to be harsh. I just this is the world that we're living in. in a lot of other churches. The goal for that service, event, day, whatever it is, especially when it's a big event with a, attract a large crowd. I, 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 now, I, just please try to read my spirit because I'm not trying to be harsh towards anyone. And I'm not saying this to be mean or, or because I'm mad at anybody. The goal of those events is 
And I've, heard, I've even heard this terminology in my own ears. To see how many decisions we can get made today. And ultimately, because of a lack of understanding or because of a misunderstanding, that is interpreted to mean this many number of people got saved today. I've heard him brag. We had 26 new decisions today. How awesome. Everybody claps. Like 26 people just made it to heaven. And I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, today, that is not enough. There is one heaven, and this is not it. You will not get there through the earthly means. So, so the only thing we can do is find the instructions and try to follow them until the day that that decision is actually made. The scripture says it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. That's the decision. My, what, what I felt Joshua was trying to say and what I feel like the Lord is trying to say today is choose today which side of that decision you want to be on and start living like it. I'm going to open this altar. I want us to find a place to pray. If you would, just get alone with the Lord. Come on, I, I know there's some things that need to be expressed between you and God, and this is an opportunity to do it. If you would, just close your eyes, find a place to pray. Be open and honest with the Lord today. Jesus, you know me. God, you know all about me, every failure, God, and every success. God, you know everything about me that there is to know. You know every thought, Lord, every action. God, I pray right now through your grace, God, I pray through your grace that you would give me strength, God, and that you would give me wisdom and that you would give me direction. I pray, God, let it be through the work of your Spirit. God, no man is able to do these things on their own. No human God could possibly find their way to you without the help and leading of your Spirit, without the guiding and understanding that your Spirit would bring. Father, I pray right now, let your Spirit bring grace and help. Let your Spirit bring understanding. Let your Spirit yield the fruit, God, of righteousness in our lives. Come on, why don't you just pray? Talk to the Lord. His Spirit is here. His Spirit is here right now. And He's desiring, as the Scripture said, He's desiring to be with us. He's desiring to be close to us. To be where we are and that we could be where He is. Thank you, God, for the closeness of your Spirit. Thank you, God, for the infilling 
of your spirit, for the indwelling of your spirit in each one of these lives. God, I pray, help us, lead us. Lead us, God, by the work of your hand. Lead us, God, through the work of your spirit, I pray. Lord, show us the actions that we need to take. Show us, God, the steps, the instructions that you would have us follow. I want to be with you, Lord Jesus. I want to be with you forever, Lord God, that I could be where you are forever, Lord Jesus. God, this is not just a momentary decision. God, this is not just to appease my flesh. God, this is not just to appease my conscience. God, I know that this is a a decision with eternal consequences. This is a decision, God, with eternal measures. God, I pray that you help me with your grace, God. Lead me. Guide me, I pray.
thank the Lord one more time. Jesus, we thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your word, Jesus, we've heard today that's given us such direction. I pray we would make up in our minds today, Jesus, who we will serve, that we would choose this day who we will serve. And then from this day forward, God, that every day we would make the decision to serve you, to go in the direction of you, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I just feel to mention this morning, if you don't already know, that whether you whether you've been baptized already and received the Holy Ghost, if if you feel like you want to know more of kind of why we do what we do and more of what it looks like to truly be saved, uh, then I would encourage you get with get with somebody and ask them for a Bible study. Amen. Even if you've been in the church 20 years, it's okay to say, hey, can we get together and and look at the scriptures together because I want to have a more full understanding and revelation of what it means to to be saved. Amen. And if you're a guest today, thank you for, for being with us. And the same same goes for you as well. If you would like to to learn more, just let one of us know. Very happy and willing to, to do some Bible studies, of course, across a couple weeks' time or however long would be needful. But I think it's important that we, as we did today, that we get our answers and our understanding from the Scripture, the Word of God. There's too many religions and thoughts out there that kind of just think their own thing. And so I'm thankful for the Word of God and I'm thankful for a church and, and a pastor who preaches what is true and what is found in, in His Word. Amen. God bless you all. Don't forget this Tuesday night, our, our Thanksgiving-themed fellowship. Uh, bring something savory and sweet. Bring yourself, bring a friend, and we'll see you back here on Tuesday night. Amen. God bless you.